there's one more thing. A terrible presence is in there with her. So much rage, so much betrayal. I've never sensed anything like it. I don't know what hovers over this house, but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take your daughter away from you. It keeps Caroline very close to it and away from the spectral light. It lies to her. It says things only a child can understand. He's been using her to restrain the others. To her, it simply is another child. To us. It is the mob. They're here. I was surprised by this movie. In many ways. <laughs> I to say, I was regretting my decision. Uh, I think this would be something I'd show to my kids. Oh, that's good to hear. I think it's about a father's love for his child. Oh, absolutely, yes. And uh, a complete stranger's love for that man's child. wore really <laughs> ugly outfits. <laughs> Puke yellow, prom night, pale blue, you know. I, I don't even know <laughs> yeah. where to start Definitely with this film. Definitely not a movie I would consider watching unless you tell me to. Hello, I'm Derek. And I'm Peter. And this is The Mog. In this podcast, one of us suggests a beloved movie from our childhood for the other to watch. And then we talk about it. What made us laugh? What made us cry? And whether it explains the strange noises in the upstairs closet. Ah! And under the bed. And clowns. And in my fridge. <laughs> you didn't move the bodies. <laughs> <laughs> you changed the head stories, but you left the bodies. The bodies. What are we talking about, Derek? I don't it's know what we're Halloween talking about. It's Halloween special. It's a Halloween special. That's right. Whoa. We interrupt this regular broadcast with one of Peter's films, Poltergeist. Poltergeist. <laughs> or as I like to call, do not walk into or away from the light, maybe. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it gets so confusing when they're talking about the light, doesn't it? So confusing. I'm still confused. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, my I actually had two titles. Uh, one is Close Encounters of the Spielberg Kind, or The Adventures of Spot and Family. <laughs> so hopefully that'll make sense later. <laughs> Shall I start with the synopsis? Uh, yeah, that'd be great. So, strange and creepy happenings beset an average California family, the Freelings. Steve, Diane, teenage Dana eight-year-old Robbie and five-year-old Carol Ann, when ghosts commune with them through the television set. Initially friendly and playful, the spirits turn unexpectedly menacing, and when Carol Ann goes missing, Steve and Diane turn to a parapsychologist and eventually an exorcist for help. Is she really an exorcist? That's what was written on the synopsis. I'm not oh, too really? Sure. <laughs> I was questioning. I don't she, I don't, well, it's true that she does clear these houses. She but, was more um, of a clairvoyant, I thought. Yeah, it was more clairvoyant than exorcist. Yeah. She, she certainly wasn't a priest. So I guess, did you have some background to this film? Yeah, well, this was, uh, this was done in 1982. And it was directed by Hope, uh, Toby Hooper. But there's a lot of contention over that. You look up Poltergeist and everyone will talk about it as a Steven Spielberg film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was written and produced by him. But um, yeah, there's there's always been a bit of contention over who really directed it. And even, even the cast seems to give different accounts of who it was that was um, directing the film. Yeah. 
and even even watching it, it feels very very Spielbergy. It does because Toby it? Hooper, he was the director of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. It's just so different, man. Yeah. It's just screaming nonstop and blood and just like, there's no character development. There's just like pure horror. So I can see what they're saying. Well, I mean, it was written by Spielberg. Yeah. So he probably, and if he produced it, he might have kept Toby on the line. Is it Tobe or Toby? I don't I'm not know. sure, yeah. Or is it 2B? What is it to be Hooper? To be Hooper <laughs> or not to be Hooper? <laughs> that is the question. But yeah, it was Spielberg's baby, apparently. Yeah. He was writing about some of his childhood fears and things like that. But he was under contract to produce and be named as like the director of E.T. Yeah. And he couldn't be named anything else. So I think there was a little bit of politics yeah. going on with that. But I'd feel a bit sorry for this guy being brought in. He's like, you're going to direct this film. And then everyone's talking about it as a Spielberg film and he's on the set all the time. And going, I know what the best shot is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was, it was a successful film because it was an, uh, nominated for three Academy Awards. Yeah, yeah. Um, best sound editing, best visual effects, best original score. And then they were all beaten by Spielberg <laughs> in E.T., which was the yeah, same year. In competition for himself. <laughs> But um, the film's success sort of spawned a franchise. There it was did. a second film, and third. which had the same sort of family, and the third film, which had the same girl. As all the cast members are dropping off. Oh, my gosh. Like flies. Yeah, there's, there's actually a lot of trivia about this movie. Uh, most of it centers around the Spielberg-Toby thing. Uh, and the other circles are around the curse. The curse. That actually, the curse, reading about the curse freaked me out more than the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought just, it was just... I, I reckon if you look at many films, you'll get similar types of stories of cast members and crew dying. I mean, the guy that died in um, the second film, the old man, uh, who plays like the um, antagonist in the second film, he actually was diagnosed with... I think it was cancer, before he even took the role. Mm. So, you know, it's not surprising that he passed away. But the curse was something to do with the skeletons, right? Oh, uh, well, that was one of the things. But we can get to the skeletons in the closet and the ground later. Well, no, the one that freaked me out was the death of 22-year-old Dana. Yeah. She was, she was like... Murdered by her ex-boyfriend and he yeah. strangled her just yeah. after the first one. That's right. It was in October. And she didn't even make the second one. <laughs> she was dead. No, and that's Heather right. O'Rourke, uh, Carol Ann, died at age 12. Cardiac yeah. arrest. Yeah. She made it through. Oh, no. She got all three movies. But the third movie didn't perform very well because of her... Well, partially because of her death because they didn't really advertise it as much because mm. she passed away. I think it was the same year. Yeah, wow. Um, Did you watch all three? I actually have watched the second one. I think it was like on TV at some stage, but I was a lot older. I was in my 20s. Uh -huh. I don't remember it being quite as uh, iconic. Uh, I've never seen the third film. Oh, I see. Yeah. I'm pretty keen to watch all three now just to see. 
Yeah, how did, well, how did you find this film? Oh, yeah, amazing. It was, yeah, it was really good. One thing I've uh, got to add to the background is Jerry Goldsmith. We mentioned I him I was before. about to say that. Yeah, he's, he's, he's through all of these. We, like we a, brushed over him before, but now I read up. There's two constants in the films that we've been picking. <laughs> one of them is Jerry Goldsmith, and the other one, I'm going to let you guess. It's Peter Dinklage. He's in all my films. Yeah. All of them. I was going to say little people, man. <laughs> I was really trying to go for, for something that was not quite as contentious. But I really brushed over him, and I just said, oh, he did the music to Rambo, but no, no. I ran up, and he's done, like, he, I'm going to give him a proper credit this time. He was yeah. Papillon, Chinatown, The Omen, Alien, which we should have yep. mentioned, really. Yep. Yep. Star Trek, Rambo movies, Poltergeist, Gremlins, Total Recall. He did The Mummy. The Mummy. Yeah, like the 1999 version. So prolific. Yeah. And he also did, probably people wouldn't really think about this unless you did like Star Trek or at least tolerated it, but... Um, one of the better Star Trek films, First Contact, he did that music as well. Uh, and that oh, actually had wow. really good music in it. Um, he's, yeah, he's, he's prolific and very good. And he was, I think he was still doing the Star Trek remakes as well until he passed mm. away. So he's a yeah, trooper. Yeah, pretty awesome. I love the Goldsmith. Yeah, a bit of gold. I was, I loved the Rambo soundtrack. I was going to buy it on vinyl. I can't remember it at all. Yeah, it's cool. The year as well, 1982, had some classic films in it as well. It had, obviously, E.T. It also had Tootsie, which I don't know if you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dustin Dustin Hoffman on drag. Yeah, amazing. (laughs) Uh, Star Trek Wrath of Khan, Blade Runner, The Thing, Tron. Wow, yeah. Yeah, some pretty great films. Yeah, awesome year. Big year for sci-fi. The 1980s had so many good films. Mm-hmm. Even if the development of music didn't go in a quite forward trajectory. <laughs> well, I think I was one when this came out, so I think I just missed out on the horror stuff. <laughs> what was your first experience with this? Well, this was actually... I spoke to my parents about this one to see if they had any thoughts. And my mum said, oh, no, I could never watch it. But they had it at home. I know that. <laughs> I know that they had it at home because I remember I had to have been before... I was a teenager because it was at our old house. And uh, I think both Christian and I must have been watching it either in another room when the folks were watching it ah. or, and this is what I suspect, when the folks went around, we found the videotape and decided to watch it. Because I remember a lot of this film watching it <laughs> again. Do. Wow. There's so many scenes in this. I was like, yeah, that's right. That's right. I remember that. That was, yeah. And there's this real feeling that I get watching some of the scenes again. And they're not large, out-of-the-blue scenes either. Mm. So, you're a teen? No, I was I was preteen. Oh, okay. I, I must have been somewhere between 10 and 12, I reckon. Oh, gotcha. Might have even been younger, actually. But I, I wouldn't have been allowed to have watched this film. It probably... We just found the videotape. And it probably felt like... Um, Steven Spielberg because you know you had E.T. and in fact maybe that was the thing maybe we watched it because we thought it was a Steven Spielberg film but I'm pretty sure that we weren't really supposed to watch it because there are some scenes in this that are fairly iconic for me. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I guess we'll get to those but was this one of the first ghost movies you saw? It would have been one of them yeah. Mm. Uh, It definitely left a mark in terms of a love of ghosts and haunted houses. Yeah. Um, It's a lifelong fascination really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I mean, 
not just this, but other movies uh, like Ghostbreakers, uh, which is a Bob Hope film, and um, The Ghost Train, which is a really early film, uh, black and white, uh, which is actually based on a play, uh-huh. um, were big favorites of mine that I watched a lot of. Yeah. Yeah, I, I well, have had a real fascination with the supernatural, even though I don't really believe it because there's the evidence is so spurious when you look at the people who actually do the investigations. Um, I mean, when they refer to it as a science, and I looked actually looked at the, um, the additional features of this film and uh, how they talked about the science of ghost investigations, and it's so silly. Oh, well, there's no empirical proof that the actual instrumentation that they use has any relevance or connection to paranormal investigations. I mean, looking at the electromagnetic fields and all of this stuff that happens, it's just normal stuff that happens. You could take it anywhere. And if you call that a ghost, then, well, yeah, they are everywhere. Just like air is. Oh. I don't know, man. I still carry that obsidian dagger that you gave me from the Sydney Paranormal Expo. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We carry it around my that. neck just in case. Yeah, I mean, this is all this is all pre-mog stuff. Uh, I'm now at, at this stage in my mog life, very, very skeptical about all of that stuff. Um, I still have a great fascination for it, and I consider myself over open-minded when it comes to it. But, um, yeah, there's still, there hasn't been anything that would give me proof. And I've studied psych, uh, amongst other things. Parapsych? Um, no, not parapsychology. <laughs> it's kind of hard to study something that they wouldn't have it. You have it um, it's all about the ectoplasm, man. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> the, that's right. That's right. It's the only empirical evidence that doesn't exist. I mean, that, um, yeah, let's move on. Should we get to act uh, one? <laughs> Act one, getting to know the Freelings, or I like to say, how are you Freeling? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Freeling fine, thank you very much. So it opens up with Merica. Yeah, it does. America. Well, you gotta, you gotta, like, every, every movie has to have something that connects to America so that we know it's an American film and as an Australian, have our connection to America. The Star Spangled Banner. And the thing with this is, and I, even I know this, like it, late night in the, in the States, they play this at the end of the broadcast. So, you know, it's late, yeah. which is what it's sort of signifying. Yeah, that was that was one of the things I noted as well. And they show a close up of the TV and that the fact that it's Sony. <laughs> I didn't notice that. It was probably too subliminal for me. But uh, I like the way that they use the dog in this too. I like that too. It was amazing. So that basically what they do is they have the dog going from family member to family member, like looking for food or just investigating. It was very endearing. It is. E-Buzz. Is that the name? Oh, I, I think it's that. a pretty classic name. And they're all sleeping and... It had a very Spielberg vibe through that, mm. I thought. He does like these long shots. And I think that's one thing that I've noticed about these types of horror films, um, the good ones, is they actually do a take-through of the house in some way. If you've ever watched The Conjuring, no, they do that in that film as well. They do a, a long shot where they take it through out the house to see what's going on mm. in the house as they're moving in. Get a feel for the space, hey? Exactly. So, you know where everything is. You get a feel for it. You know, in the back area, there's this and in the front. There's it was an amazing house. Yeah, I, it, it was. It reminded me of the little houses used to be built in Ark. 
<laughs> Thanks. Uh, <laughs> you would have haunted them if you could have. <laughs> I, I, yeah. If there'd only been ghosts in that computer game. But the the girl was super cute. She was very angelic. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the Carol Ann. Carol Ann, yeah. She wakes and, up and talks to the TV for a bit. Yeah. Um, and the whole family comes down to, uh, because they hear her talking and they're just watching as she's having a chat with the television. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it cuts away to the second run through of the film. So what I mean is that um, they start off with the introduction, which is, they say, poltergeist uh, with the credits. And uh, then they do that little scene and then they cut away for another credit scene where they're showing the neighborhood and yeah, everything's suburbia. calm and the music's serene. Yeah, it's interesting that they play the scary card at the beginning uh, set that scene and then take you back and show their place in suburbia and the actual world that they're living in. Yeah, it really worked. I wonder if that was a late stage decision in the editing room. Oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> not with not with Hooper on the case. <laughs> and uh, the remote control cars, it was all very cool. It reminded me of my yeah. childhood and C-3PO sheets. Yeah, there's so many Star Wars references, toys. <laughs> what just references in general? There was an alien poster I saw. Um, Chewbacca, yeah. And they had all the Star Wars toys and yeah, the Darth Vader. <laughs> TIE Fighters and stuff. I did that, that beer can scene that you mentioned, which is very short. What happens is there's just a guy riding on a bicycle with beer, holding beer cans as he's trying to get to a game that they're all going to watch. Um, these kids just have these remote control cars and they put it in front of the bike and he falls off and the cans break and he grabs half of the cans to get back and he's running and they're just leaking everywhere. And I actually really strongly remember that scene um, because it was... I remember watching it on the television. I actually mm -hmm. remember that very much. I think it was another one of those things where... It almost felt like that's when the movie started oh. for me. And they had that little remote battle with yeah. the neighbor. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. I do like a lot of the family stuff in this. Where, it was amazing. Character development. Yeah, because... Uh, it was like the whole first act, really. Yeah, and the way that they do character development in this is very good. It's... Um, like, you know, where the husband was going and doing the Daffy Duck voice. Yeah, <laughs> they're, when they're, they're in bed. They're all smoking she's, weed. Yeah, she's smoking <laughs> And he goes into this diving bed. Yeah, it's cold. It's just it's just really There's something about him though. He's like he's likable, but there's something very disturbing about him. Well, <laughs> <laughs> just the, the, there's something he's just he's hiding his true self, I think. Do you mean do you mean um the husband? He looks like a serial killer, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it just in case you look to him as a father. No, what I, <laughs> uh, um, well, I mean, he did have a lot of that, the the qualities of, you know, the good, the good dad and he cares. But then, you know, when all of this stuff happens later in the, the later acts, he does look incredibly haunted <laughs> yeah. uh, by everything that's going on. And he almost takes a bit of a backseat, but he is introduced at the start as the dad, the everyman's dad, um, or yeah. every woman, 
every child's dad. Like he's counting down with the lightning stuff yeah. and he's teaching. It's very nice. And in the next scene, you you see that all the kids are in the back. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that was great stuff. But they had a clown in there. And that clown's got nothing on on Tim Curry. Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it does later in the film. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But we'll get to that. Uh, I actually keep thinking that scene's going to happen earlier in the film, but it doesn't. It happens right towards the end mm. um, where everything blows up. That's like act four almost. Yeah. Um, well, I guess the second act is when they're here, when they're announced as they're here. Yeah. Well, before before that, there are a few establishing scenes of the kids and the family that I'd just like to mention just because... The bearing of the bird is another thing that I strongly remember. I remember the the, oh, yeah. uh, the burial box where they put the bird in the box and then they put a photo in. She gives it... A- and the line was, oh, Tweety, couldn't you have waited for a school day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's taking the bird to flush down the toilet and <laughs> Caroline walks in on her. <laughs> it's gold. Yeah. It's really, really... Clever. It was really well done, the whole family stuff. Because it was almost... You, you could believe it was and a family. And the next scene after they buried it, it's like, can I get a goldfish? Yeah, next, that's Next right. shot is a goldfish. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She goes... She's crying and she demands that they bury the bird and they put it in this cigarette tobacco box and bury it with a flower and all of that stuff. And yeah, she says... She does the, the now I lay thee to rest type prayer and then immediately after that, she just turns to mom and, can I get a goldfish? <laughs> it was great. Like, I've moved on. <laughs> yeah. In the next shot, they show the goldfish. Yeah, and great. she's feeding it mm. so much food. There's like a full two minutes of her just dunking food into the... <laughs> but um, yeah, so, and then they get to the, their hair scene. And like, I really liked how they're just trying to understand it. They're playing with it talking about it and we're sort of learning about it through the characters gives like this sort of mystery and playfulness and but there's this you feel this underlying menace also um yeah the ghost stuff how it just moves the chairs suddenly you know they did a great job with that scene because it was a one-shot scene where uh she walks in and the the girl's sitting on the bench and the chairs are around the table except that they're out so she puts all the chairs back in and she walks and the and the camera follows her just just so that the table is off screen mm. and she gets stuff out of the cupboard and then she turns back and it has to it's been like 20 30 seconds and somehow they've managed to get all of the chairs standing balanced on top of the table yeah so that was one take was it that was one take yeah did they have like a bunch of extras i, I they must have uh, set it up so that they took the chairs and they must have had a preset uh, bunch of chairs that they would have dunked on yeah. top. That's my guess. Wow. I'm not sure how they did it, but they did a really good job of it. Uh, but yeah, I like how it's not immediately a horror, scary thing. It's not the, um, I don't believe you. They don't go into, you know, well, it's your imagination or it's all of that stuff, which is a lot of the cliche you get now where people are just sort of dismissing things from happening. They actually go straight into... This is a, something is actually happening, mm. um, but they do it in a way where it's not that they're terrified. It's like she she actually kind of experiments with it 
I think uh, the there. The, I think it's not the there here. That's the uh, act two. I think it's when she is taken. That's when act two starts. Ah. Because what happens is the tree comes to life as Robbie's in bed. Uh, he's counting the lightning. Tree comes alive, pulls him out, and tries to eat him. And while all of that's happening, uh, they're trying to pull him out of the tree. Uh, the family and they're all getting dirty and muddy. Gosh, they get so muddy in this, don't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, while that's happening, Carol Ann gets sucked into the closet. So, yeah. And uh, that was a cool scene there where everything in the room is actually being pulled down into that closet. Yeah. There's some really cool shots in this film. Well, apparently that really terrified the actress more than all the skeletons and all the ghosts and all yeah. the stuff was just hanging onto that bed rail and being blown <laughs> with, the, with the, <laughs> the, you know, industrial fans. And it's pull and pulling down so that it actually breaks yeah. and she falls. Oh my gosh. I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, old it. school special effects, man. Old school. <laughs> Where Some of the old school stuff is so much better than the modern... I'd call them shortcuts because they don't seem to produce the same result. Mm. Yeah, I really respected it. So she's she gets eaten and disappears. They start searching the place for her and that's when they hear her coming out of the television. Mm. And we cut to the parapsychologist. Yeah, and I like those guys. They had a lot of character. So do you have a name for Act 2? Oh, I thought Act 2 was there here. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Well, I guess it is. It is really, isn't it? Yeah. They're, they're really here. Um, and so one of the guys, the parapsychology goes, he was just describing how he's got this little toy car going across the room. Yeah, <laughs> after seven, seven hours, hours, he's got it on time lapse. He goes, I got it on time lapse. And then the husband just looks at him, opens the door, and there's stuff flying around everywhere. <laughs> and the effects on that were amazing. It was very... That um, was very Spielbergian. Yeah. Or, or ILM. Industrial Light of Magic. Yeah. So, yeah, very Ghostbusters, very sort of... Yeah, that's it. Um, that's it. Even Goonies to a degree. Yeah. And then the well, guy... Sorry. No, you go. Oh, I was just moving on. There was the guy that goes later on, one of the parapsychologists, to take a photo and the lens caps on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You got to be quick around here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's... And there. um, when they've cut away from the, the room, the, parapsycho- the lead parapsychologist, Beatrice Strait, uh, she's telling them that, you know, there needs to be scientific evidence to prove that there's a haunting... And as she says that, a coffee cup just slides across the table. (laughs) And she says, well, actually, what I mean is about poltergeists. Uh, She corrects herself and starts to going into how poltergeists only stick around for a little while. Yeah, she has like a big monologue to the to the boy and sort of describes stuff to him. I just liked how the little boy, Robbie... He's sort of in one take. He's just looking at mom and he's like, oh, okay, good night, mom. Good night, lady. <laughs> That's right. Oh, God, that was hilarious. <laughs> That's what I should have just called her. This <laughs> lady. She wasn't even introduced, I don't yeah, think. She's just a lady. That's, that's great, isn't it? You're right. She isn't really introduced properly. <laughs> that's why I don't remember her name. I'm going to stick to that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and uh, and that's when we get to another iconic scene that is 
etched into my memory. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, and that's where the guy gets the munchies. Have you noticed that everyone gets the munchies at their house? Like all of the... Yeah, like the workmen the, um, were stealing food and the, coffee. Yeah and, yeah, and this guy decides to do the same. And he goes in the chicken into the kitchen and he pulls out a chicken leg, starts eating it, and then he pulls out a steak. I honestly don't know what he was going to do. Like he just slaps it on the, the counter? What the yeah, <laughs> he sniffs at it, just whacks it on the counter. He was going to cook it, I think. Yeah, I, that must have been it. It was just weird. He was snacking on stuff and he pulled out a steak, just a random steak. But anyway... Uh, it was good for the effect, though, because soon after oh, he looks yeah. back at it and it's crawling with maggots. And that's the, yeah, the crawling of the meat is actually the thing that got stuck in my memory was that the the meat moving on its own. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. where it's sort of like crawling along <laughs> and then it starts to explode um, from the inside. Yeah, meat just starts pouring Very out. Very Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. And, um, and then and he, he looks in the mirror and like yeah. his face just starts crumbling and like he's clawing at his face. It's falling yeah. apart. Oh, my gosh. And those hands that were clawing the fake face apart were Steven Spielberg's hands. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, nice. yeah. <laughs> That's great. He had to have a hand in everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so true. So, yeah, and then they get the... Um, the scene with the camera where all the ghosts start to come down the stairs. I thought that ghost looked amazing there with the lights and the tendrils. Yeah. Going down the stairs because you couldn't quite make it out. You were trying to sort of put a, put a figure to it, but you couldn't really put one. Yeah, um, you're trying to, your, your mind was trying to give it a... Um, recognizable shape. Yeah, that's right. And what I really liked about that scene was that it, looked like that to the eyes of the audience but then when they look through the camera it actually looks very different oh yeah yeah it was just um, all the bodies like yeah all the displaced souls yeah walking through with all of their hats they're all wearing hats yeah <laughs> which is actually pretty true um you go back back in time and wearing hats was very important <laughs> you couldn't go anywhere without a hat yeah. and it's it's true <laughs> And at that point, uh, the black guy just leaves. <laughs> you can't take it anymore. But she, Hang on. The black guy leaves. Oh, she said he's not coming back. No, or that wasn't like that. the black guy. That was the um, that was the oh, white guy. Oh, it was the white it was guy. The white guy okay. with glasses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He he just he disappeared. Probably because he you know tore off his face. Yeah. I imagine that would do it. But it brings about, about Act 3 where she says, I'll bring some help. Yep. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, is Bill Murray going to come? <laughs> Dan Aykroyd? This is going to be the best. <laughs> that would be fun. The Ghostbusters <laughs> turn up. Uh, what you have here is a non-focused permanent repeating phantasm. But instead we have the high-pitched sort of half-person. Yeah, that's right. No, dude... It's not a little person. It is. Oh, okay. Isn't it? But she's bigger than a little person, I thought. So she's like a half person. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to be in so much trouble. Man, we're going to hell. <laughs> uh, the, thing, the thing is, is that I don't even care. Tangina. Let's call it Tangina. Yeah. I, I don't care in the least. Zelda Rubenstein. I just think that we have to have a description for people. 
<laughs> and as soon as you do that, you're treading on water. Like we refer to, I'm white, you're not. <laughs> That's. Uh, are you upset? No, I don't know. Are you sure? Yeah, maybe well, a bit. You, okay, sorry. I hate you, I hate you. Oh, well, that explains a lot. But at times when, um, when you know the she sort of introduces the whole you know, the intro, which we read out to you, which Peter read yeah. out to you, and um, there's at times when the music sounded very Star Trek. In there. It did, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, so much. It, it was almost like he took some of the music from Star Trek and said, well, nobody noticed, so I'll just whack it in here. <laughs> yeah. Especially but it is like great. the love theme, love theme when they kiss. That's purely like... Yeah, it, it is. I, I noticed that too. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah. And it was actually quite funny. There was like a little bit where, you know, there were... She was about to go in, tie this to my waist. I'm going in. And he goes, You've never done this before. And he's like, Neither of you. And she just goes, Oh, you're right. You go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I laughed out yeah, loud. There's, that was a good line, that. <laughs> but it's weird. That's when the into the light and out of the light stuff was just like, What the? What's going on? It wasn't so much a double cross because. It was just so confusing. I think it was, it was. meant to be a double cross. I th yeah, it was really... So, to explain our confusion, when they're first talking to Carol Ann through the airwaves, the first parapsychologist, she says, tell her to stay away from the light. Tell her to stay away from the light. And then when we get back to Zelda or Tangina, she tells them to tell her to go towards the light. And they're like, no, we can't do that. I hate you. Yeah, she was like livid. I still don't really fully get it. It felt like it was meant to feel like a double cross. I don't know. Like you were meant to think, oh, okay. Tangina. Mm -mm. <laughs> trying to confuse the beast. <laughs> I don't know. But apart from that, I mean, you can just sort of set that aside. As long as you don't try to concentrate too hard on the, on the science behind whatever it is that we're talking about <laughs> it's an exact science but they make it out she goes in when they have a kiss and they play a star trek little love theme yeah. <laughs> and she goes in and like grabs the daughter she's covered in pink goo which i yeah, guess tastes, so tasted delicious it looked really sugary yeah <laughs> so good i remember thinking that was really gross i remember the tennis balls coming out that's another thing i remember the tennis balls and goo it was great how they set that up it's all very yeah. sort of spielbergy stuff i do like that um how they sort of have a physicality to the other world mm. and it's sort of very um visceral visceral and uh biological oh yeah it was all ectoplasm i believe it's a technical term. Oh, really? You've done your research. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've watched Ghostbusters too, man. Yeah, I'm pretty much a ghostologist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a I'm a poltergeistarian. <laughs> then Tangina announces this house is clean. And she's um, wrong. Well, that's the thing. So I think in horror films now, like they've always got this sort of act four where, you know, the main arc is already finished this and you think true. it's over and then they, they just throw the plot in, the plot twist in and it's like a little sort of extra act. It's not yeah. over. Well, I, I liked the that bit though where she says this house is clear because she's doing it for the camera yeah. because she's just waving her hair she around. She takes off the sunnies, I believe. Yeah, she, stand, she struts yeah. and then says, this house is clear. Yeah. 
But that is a horror thing, right? When they have the sort of fourth act, a mini act of it just the seems last. To be, yeah. Um, I, I don't watch a lot of horror. Is the thing. A lot of horror films do that, but they don't. The difference here is it, is that it's an actual full fourth act where the ghosts come back, they escape, and then it ends. Mm. A lot of horror films do a half fourth act oh, where they reintroduce everything seems sorted the bad guy comes back and kills the main character or is introduced as not having been killed but then they just leave it there some films do they have the last little bit of action where everything seems fine and then it comes back but it seems to me that sometimes they half do it and sometimes they full do it This was definitely a full one. And they went into it with like corpses and skeletons and, you know, the caskets coming out. And you had the note about yeah. the skeletons. Yeah. Yeah. So the skeletons in this are actual real skeletons. So the reason being that plastic skeletons were too expensive to make. So they just bought real skeletons. So it wouldn't have been that they bought corpses and just had them coming out of their actual coffins. They would have just bought bones and uh, dressed yeah, them up. Yeah, wow. That's what I think. But uh, apparently the actress had no idea when that was happening. Oh, wow. Tis, yeah. tis Spielberg or Toby. Toby. Yeah, that was a very James Cameron thing to do. Oh, my gosh. But they felt, yeah, this very Sam Raimi vibe to it for me, where the rain's pouring down and, like, she's just in the mud with skeletons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my god there's so much mud and after she spent so much time getting clean in the bath <laughs> did you see drag me to hell no i haven't seen that sam raimi oh, i love that that was that was one horror film i loved um oh okay i've heard it's good but i've never he seen adds it. sort of humor and like in just the ridiculousness of like the horror it's just like it felt like that for this where they just kept popping up and you know there's coffins popping up out of the mud (laughs) did you ever see evil dead yeah 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 that yeah that sort of vibe yeah that sort of humorous um horror yeah well but it's true all of the all of the caskets start coming out of the ground whether it be outside or inside (laughs) uh which i think in a way is where they're trying to explain all of those hot spots were where the coffins actually were. Yeah, yeah. But I thought that was good. I remember that as a kid. Yeah. And that's where he, that iconic scene where he, he's yelling at the developer and says, you know, you move the headstones, but you kept the bodies. Yeah. Doing it on the cheap. And then the house shrinks. Man, that looked cool. And I. That's an awesome effect, I, that. Isn't I remember it? that from The Simpsons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've never seen Poltergeist, but I've seen The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, it's totally from The Simpsons. That's, well, it's not from, obviously. But. The Halloween special. <laughs> yep, yep. One of the first ones. I've never. I, I haven't followed up The Simpsons for a very long time. But it looks amazing. It is a great scene, that, isn't it? There's actually a few little Easter eggs in there. Um, if you've ever watched The Shining. Uh, you'll see that they drive in this little yellow love bug car. And you actually see a very, well, pretty much the same car in this film get knocked over. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Which must have been a bit of a homage back to The Shining. Ah. And that's when they escape and go to a hotel, uh, take the television outside, Mm. leave it there. And uh, and it ends. So how would you how would this sort of rate on your nostalgia meter? This is a really high one as well. The 1980s has been very characterized by 
Spielberg films, I think. George Lucas and Steven Spielberg have had a huge impact on people's childhoods and I'm no different from that. There are scenes in this that even if they're small scenes, I can't forget them because they're wrapped up in a film that when you're a kid is very scary and very fan. There's a lot of almost fantasy elements in this, like some of the monsters and ghosts that you see in this, they're, they're not just a person dressed up. There are things like almost like a hound beast thing. Do you remember this, the skeleton type thing in the doorway? Yeah. Watching these as an adult, I didn't feel as scared. No. I would have to say. No. I was wondering if you still felt the fear from from when you were a kid. No, not the fear. In fact, I realized the most tense part in the film is right at the end where he takes about five minutes to get the right key to get into the car <laughs> and start the car to leave the house. It's those tight 80s jeans, man. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't, <laughs> couldn't pry them out. <laughs> Before, after, before, <laughs> after. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't scary, but it at least was it was it was very visually appealing, if that makes sense. Mm. Like the the effects in it were. You were even, scared as a kid, though, right? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, when the when the hand comes out of the TV, that was a bit of a jump scare. That's a, a jump scare, in it, isn't the it? old. Yeah, it's, a, it's an old version. It doesn't have all the bass sounds in it or the lead up. Yeah. And there's also another thing I didn't get to mention. Uh, when they're doing that big action scene where the house comes back alive, we have Robbie sitting in his room and something happens to Robbie. He's got a, he's got a friend. He's got a, he's got a, a good friend that, that's in there throughout the film that uh, he has a love-hate relationship. It may it may or may not be Tim Curry's long lost child. And that is a clown doll, a very large clown doll. Oh. <laughs> Sitting in a chair watching him. I don't know why. But it always seems to have pride of place at the end of his bed sitting. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think if I watched this around the time, you know, I would have been equally freaked out. But now it, it didn't really faze me. It was sort of... It, it doesn't sort of hold up to Tim Curry's yellow eyes. Yeah. <laughs> His creepy-ass voice. <laughs> Very good boy, Timmy. Very good indeed. Yeah. Um, but it grabs him by the neck and yeah. drags him under the bed. Apparently, it's rated one of the highest, scariest moments in film. Yeah. Like the top 20 or something. Yeah. So, that goes on. And while he's killing the, the clown, because he starts to just pull the stuffing out of it, um, he's so freaked out. One thing I couldn't get past was his teeth. Did you notice his teeth? Yeah, already? Robbie's teeth. Yeah, yeah, poor Robbie. Buck tooth. But, like, it's not. I don't have anything. He's growing into just, him, I think. It's just that when he was really terrified at the beginning of the film and he had dirt all over him and the tree was going and he was screaming, all I could see was his teeth. Yeah, and he had a cut had on this, his nose yeah. and was just drew your eye to his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they did this silhouette thing effect shot where they had the television in the background and just, you know, the outline of his face. So, you could not ignore the teeth. It's a little bit horse-like. <laughs> but, but he grew out of it, I'm sure. But, um, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Well, he was in the second one. Didn't look so bad. I oh, skipped through the second one a little bit. Oh, did you watch the second one? No, I just skipped through. I will watch it, actually, after this broadcast. Ah. I'm pretty keen because I, I like how they kept the family... I found this film very enjoyable. It's sort of like a a mild entry into horror for me. 
Like, mm. I get freaked out by horror. I get nightmares. But this one was totally fine. It was just sort of very mild scares. And um, I would really recommend this. Like, the family and the characters were so great. Um, really solid child acting. And um, the special effects was pure 80s gold. Think sort of yeah. Ghostbusters and Goonies. Uh, Indiana Jones as well. Do you know Indiana the scene Jones, at true. the end with the, with the Ark going up yeah, and killing all yeah, the Nazis? Yeah. That's, uh, Absolutely. A lot of that type of... It's like the see-through imagery, but it's very um, organic looking. It's quite So, cool. it was like a trip back for me, even though I hadn't seen this at all. Mm. And I like it how, as the film ends, the first name that comes up is Steven Spielberg. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it's, not, it's not directed by... <laughs> oh, yeah. Produced and written by who, none other. Well, it was his baby, I think. If it wasn't for the contract thing, he probably would have. Yeah. Did you have any final thoughts? No, not really. It. I really enjoyed watching it again. I find it is a film that I can sit through and watch more than once. So, yeah, it's um, it's good. I always enjoy watching it. But um, I'd rate it pretty high. So... Yeah. What's the next film? Well, I guess we've already talked about the next film, Deliverance. <laughs> but I also wanted to give a shout out to your brother, Chris, yes. who's been amazing in responding with little bits of trivia about War of the Worlds and all of the, all of the um, films that we watch. He's given comments on most of them, really. He has. Yeah, uh, definitely. And I, I have spoken to him on occasion and we're going to have to have him on. As a guest. A guest mark. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, he, he actually did have a comment about this and that was that he remembers seeing snippets of it as well. So it's not just in my imagination that I saw it at a young <laughs> age. So my parents have no excuse. <laughs> ah, that's cool. Cool, man. Well, look, sleep tight, sweet dreams. Don't dream of hands and television screens. Make sure you turn your TV off before you go to bed. <laughs> did you write this before? That all rhymed. <laughs> did it? <laughs> No. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Thanks so much, Peter. Thanks for listening, people. Uh, thanks, man. Talk to you Good soon. Night. Thanks, guys. Happy Halloween. Bye. Happy Halloween. Stop.